Lord, we want to thank you that you're here. We thank you that you've promised to be with us. And Father, as our level of expectation rises, you come to meet that expectation. And so, Father, we place that demand on you, on your Holy Spirit today, for all the different ones that are here, different needs that are, are here in the midst. Lord, we look to you today, the meter of our needs. We thank you, Lord, that you are able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we can ask, think, or even imagine. And so we bless you for who you are and what you've done. Amen. 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 Okay, well, yesterday, Jenny and I, and uh, we took with us uh, Mira, Shambia, and then four of our friends, Mark and and, uh, Jan and Anne and Ingrid, went down to uh, Hemel Hempstead. And we were speaking at a conference that was called Breakout 2016. That's an annual one, I gather. A young church. They've only been going a couple of years. And the theme this year was Kingdom Shift. Say Kingdom Shift. Kingdom Shift. And I thought, right, that's just what I want. Now, this was the publicity. Lovely. I don't know whether you can tell because it's much better on the TV screens. We kind of lose it a bit on that one there. But I was looking on that under Kingdom Shift and I see Bishop there and I see Pastor Seth. Suits and ties. And I'm remembering that the Lord says, or, or Paul said, I've you know, learned to be all things to all people. And you notice the picture that we submitted is Steve with open neck shirt. You see, so I'm thinking this is a suit and tie job. You know, if I'm if I'm going to go down there, I need to be suit and tie. Now, whether these two guys also saw the publicity and saw the open neck shirt and thought, oh, okay, maybe we can be free. But they went with open neck shirt and I went with suit and tie. So Jenny said, you should just be yourself. Just right. yeah. Yeah. Right. So the, the scripture for the, the conference, and it was, it was quite a small conference, about 40 of us, I think, at the most uh, there. But uh, we were speaking, uh, scheduled to speak in the afternoon at a leaders, ministers gathering, and a number of ministers did come in in the afternoon. They were all slow to sort of gather, but we had a good time. Our team were, were kind of almost the first ones there. One lady putting the chairs out. And we were telling Mira and Shambi as we were driving down, you know, our, our journey as, as ministers. And often we'd pull up on a church car park and the place would be locked, nobody about. We were the first ones there. Then someone would come and unlock and we'd end up putting the chairs out, you know, helping get the place set up, you know, and then eventually uh, the start time comes and then the worship band pitches up whenever and the pastor comes, you know, whenever. And uh, we've done that deal, you know, and we're still doing it. We're open to it, you know what I mean? Anyway, this scripture was, was uh, the one for the conference and it's Revelation 4, 1 and 2 and this is in the Amplified Version and it says, After this I looked and behold a door standing open in heaven and the first voice which I had heard addressing me like the calling of a war trumpet said, Come up here and I will show you what must take place in the future. 
Uh, Once I came under the Holy Spirit's power and behold a throne stood in heaven with one seated on the throne. A great scripture. After this I looked and behold a door standing open in heaven. You need to know that there is an open door policy in heaven. Hello. Whosoever will may come. The door of heaven is not shut, it's open for every single one of us to access. Come on, the door of heaven's open and God wants to pour out of his Holy Spirit, his new wine. He wants to give us those things that he knows we need. We just need to be the ones that expect it. We need to be the ones that draw on what he has already provided and get our minds sorted. Hello. Get our minds sorted. Because our minds often are so full of toxic thoughts, toxic thinking, wrong mindsets that limit us, that hinder us from moving into the fullness. And we have to deal with that. Hello. So... Heaven is an open door policy. And then it says, the voice which I had heard addressing me was like a little lullaby. <laughs> was, come by, my Lord, come by. What was it? It was a war trumpet, it says in the Amplified. It was a war trumpet. If you've not realised, the world is at war. There is an enemy that has affected the minds of men, that barbarian mindset that is, that is prevalent out there, and different ones are giving into that and blowing themselves up for a cause that they don't really understand. The enemy is taking over the minds of people around the world, and we're always on the edge of anarchy, aren't we? One thing goes wrong, and all of a sudden, all hell breaks loose in different communities. And we're the salt, we're the light, we're the ones that say what goes. Because we are God's government on the earth. Is that right? So what we say, what we decree is so vital and what we think is also so important. As a man thinks, so is he. And there's been lots of research into neuroscience in these days. I think we've got um, at least one book by Caroline Leaf, Dr. Caroline Leaf in there, who is a Christian neurosurgeon. And she talks about the, the toxic thoughts that cut down pathways in the brain that begin to limit us and begin to release chemicals into the body that destroy our immune system and our body, ages, bring disease and sickness and just begin to destroy us. Toxic thoughts, toxic thinking. We don't think in the brain. We think in the mind. The mind is in the soul. I know we often talk about what goes on between our ears, don't we? Our brain is responding to our thoughts and our spirit man and it's sending signals around the body to do what we want to do. We think, I'll go fetch a drink. And our thoughts go to the brain and the brain says, okay, we need to start moving the legs. We better start moving forwards. We better maintain balance. We better watch where we go and avoid that person. Are you with me? 
Does your brain go when you die? Does it go to heaven? But your mind, your will, your emotions, your soul and your spirit, they're eternal, right? When the rich man died and he was in hell, it said he looked and he saw. Because his spirit's got eyes. His spirit's got emotions. He said, I'm concerned about my brothers, my family. Please, God, send someone to actually tell them about this place so that they don't end up in hell like I am. Send Lazarus to just dip his finger in water that just one touch or one drop might touch my tongue and might help my thirst in this horrific place. He had emotions and all the rest of it. So our thoughts, our thinking, our mind is such a key part of us, but it's eternal. Our brain responds to our thinking and our words that come out of our mouth and that sends a message from the brain then into the body. So when you think health and strength, it releases positive chemicals into the body that will actually bring healing into our body. So offences will destroy you. Hello. Unforgiveness will destroy you. Bitterness will destroy you. Worry, fear, anxiety, those things will destroy your body. But peace, love, joy in the Holy Spirit will refresh you and make you young like I am. Amen. Like John Cooper, 80 years young. Come on, do we want to stay young or do we want to grow old? Mm. And the voice said, come up here. Yeah, nice shoes. They're not mine. This is the bride. Are you part of the bride? Don't forget that the bride is a warrior bride. She carries a sword And she's not weak, she's not passive, she's not insecure, she's not sick, she's not poverty-stricken. This bride is powerful because she is going to be presented as a glorious bride to the Lord Jesus Christ. Do you think God is going to marry something pathetic, something run down, something half-hearted, something compromising? Do you think he's going to marry that to his son after what Jesus went through? So has he got a job on? Look at your neighbour. Tell them something positive. You, you can do it. Listen, God is doing a work on us. Come up here. And he said, I'll show you what must take place in the future. Hey, we've got the book of Revelation, but I was thinking about it. I think John on the island of Patmos was probably in his 90s, they reckon, around this time. So it's not exactly 2,000 years ago, but it's a while ago that John saw this. What must take place in the future. Many of us believe that we're in those end times, don't we? Because of the way things are coming together. So I'll show you that. And he said, At once I came under the Holy Spirit's power, and behold, a throne stood in heaven with one seated on the throne. So often we lose sight of the throne room of God. We, we are more focused on what the devil's doing and how he's messing up lives. But in that throne room, there are the 24 elders. Don't know who they are. 
but they're there. They've probably been there since eternity past. There's the four living creatures. Then there's the angelic host. There's all the power of heaven that could wipe out every man, woman and child on the planet. That can come to our assistance and help us. And in that throne room is the one who's sitting there, who's Alpha and the Omega, the first and the last. The King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. The line of the tribe of Judah is there. And he is seated at Father's right hand. And do you know where you're sitting? Come on, right next to him. Tells us in Ephesians, you who are dead in sins, you've been raised up, you've been seated together with Christ in heavenly places, far above. I say, far above all principalities and powers. Not a little bit above, far above all principalities and powers. So we're there. We have to have a kingdom shift in our minds because we've got to believe who we are and who the Bible says we are. You are... Who the Bible says you are. You can be everything that the Bible says you can be. It's a settled word. It's forever settled in heaven. God will never renege on his word. When he sends it, he sends it for purpose. And the Bible says that every single word is not without the power to make that word effective and operable in your life. Isn't that exciting? So we're going to have a kingdom shift. Extra, extra changes are coming and the shift is on its way. We're making a shift. There's a new paradigm ahead. I just found the definition of shift. It means to exchange or replace by another. Some of us need to replace our minds. Some of us need to jump from one place to another just to get a bigger environment. A goldfish or fish apparently will grow to the size of wherever you put it. So if you keep it in a small place, it stays small. You've probably noticed in our history, God keeps moving us. And the moment the apostle decides he'd like to stay at the level he's at, God comes in with the fire and keeps broadening our horizons. He keeps saying, bigger, more expanse, larger influence. Why? Because the kingdom is advancing. It's an advancing kingdom. And we dare not stay in a little place because he's made big people. Did you know only 5% of the population really make a success of their lives and become all that they have been destined to become? 95 of us are always followers, about 5% are leaders because many want to leave it to others. If you're going to be big and fill a bigger pot, then you need to think big. Get out of your old thinking Dig yourself a bigger place and move into it. Push through the door right now. Break out of the limitations. It's only a paper bag. Just blow some air into it, bit of godly air, and bang it. And get out. It's called shift. Hallelujah. Some of you need to change gear. Some of you are in neutral. Hello? How far do you go in neutral? I've travelled with someone who 
when they're in a conversation, kind of can't do two things at once and often drives around in third gear. When there's five gears, there's a five-speed gearbox. So some of us need to shift gears. No good just staying in first. That only gets you off the starting block. Amen. You've got to go to second or third. Usually when I'm in third, I'm going fast enough to then go into sixth. I I like acceleration. But I also watch the needle because I I like to get as much as I can out of every gallon of fuel. But that's another issue. So some of us need to change gear. Listen, those who are in reverse, forget it. Hello. (laughs) Get out of reverse. Get shifted into gear. Come on, some of you ladies. We were talking yesterday about cars, weren't we? And Shambir was saying, do you remember with the old manual chokes? I said, yeah, I mean, most women pull them out and then put the handbag on them. Do you remember? In those days. They didn't know what it was for. Praise the Lord. No, that's a joke, ladies. That's a joke. Let's move on quick. Shift also means to assume responsibility. You can't make somebody else responsible for your life. Your wife is not the reason that you're not doing well. Your husband's not the reason why you're not succeeding. Your children aren't. It's your fault. Take responsibility and run ahead with God. Don't blame others. Don't blame the leaders. Hello? Don't blame the government because they haven't got a clue. Listen, they're only men and women, and most of them are not connected into God. If they were connected to God, they'd have the wisdom to be able to rule us right and to take this nation forwards. We've got to be praying for Theresa May. She's had some religious background. We think she might be born again. We definitely know there are other people in different areas of government that are born again. Let's pray that the wisdom drops into them and some salvation comes into the cabinet room and we begin to see some godly wisdom being released into our nation. Because our nation can be great again by serving others and taking the kingdom. So, assume responsibility. Don't leave it to others. There's plenty of opportunity for you to take responsibility in this house as well. Always things to do. And so, you may need to go through a change. Say change. Change. You know we like change in this place. Uh, I remember one day, many years ago, in the early days when we were in uh, full-time ministry, Jenny had gotten dressed for the day, I think, jeans and a t-shirt, we're in Youth for Christ, and she was spending time with the Lord, and she went back upstairs, and she put on a different change of clothes, and she dressed for success that day. She tends to do it more often than not now, doesn't she? She's that kind of a person because she had a mind shift change. On that day, she realized, I need to change. And she thought, if I'm going to change on the inside, I'm going to make a change on the outside. And she put a different set of clothes on as as a sign, really, that she wanted to be different and want to change. Now, that doesn't mean to say that you guys have got to go and change clothing, but that... It's just another definition of of shift, changing your clothes. Maybe some of us need to get rid of the grave clothes that were were wrapped around Lazarus. He was alive, but he wasn't free. And Jesus said, loose him and let him go. 
And some of us need to get rid of those grave clothes and those things that have been tying us up and break with those things and get free so that we can be all God wants us to be. Hallelujah. Paradigm shift, it means move or cause to move from one place to another. Here's some of the synonyms, change, alter, adjust, adapt, amend. Some of us need to recast our thinking for the future, vary, modify, revise, reverse, retract, do a U-turn, whatever it is, go in the right direction that God's wanting you to go. Amen? Quit restricting what he wants to do and go. You can do far more than you ever imagined. In a fight or flight situation, adrenaline is pumped around the body. You know that, don't you? Most of you know that. That chemical's released. Men and women have done amazing things. They've lifted cars up to get someone out because the thinking has kind of just shut down and they've just done something as a, as a reaction. They haven't thought, can I do this? Is this possible? Has this been done before? I'm not able to do this. No, that was shut off and their bodies responded to something that was going on within them and they lifted a weight that some of the big bodybuilders might not be able to lift. You know what I'm saying? So our bodies are capable of far more than what we ever put it under in exertion. So quit your whining. I've got a great picture in one place of a trainer with an old guy on a rowing machine. And the old guy's 102 and the trainer's over 70 years of age. And the caption says, what's your excuse? (laughs) Come on. We can do it. I liked what you said, Sue. You are healed. You are whole. Every cell of our body. Do you know, next, this time, next year, your body will be completely different to what it is now. Every cell will have changed. Even your bone structure will have changed. Your hair's changing on a regular basis. Your skin cells, you, you know, you see that dust around the house, don't you? That's you. <laughs> don't bother scraping it up. Just get rid of it out the window. Every part of your body, within a year, they tell us, We are completely changed. Imagine now an architect taking a building and taking all all the elements of it and rebuilding it according to the same plan. You can change the plan. Why don't we change the plan? Why don't we get into some different thinking so that as we are being regenerated... Now, we know sin is active in our bodies because... God said to Adam, if you eat the the fruit of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, you shall surely die. In other words, decay will set into your body. But we don't have to accept it as if we're going to be dead tomorrow or I'm not going to be able to do all the things I can do in a year's time, in 10 years' time. Come on, I'm preaching to myself now. I'm 59 next month and I'm thinking, crumbs. Another decade's going by. I'm going to be 60. I used to think 30 was old, and now I'm 60. I'm having to adjust my thinking. I don't want to be an old man. I don't want to be like my dad in the, nurse, in the nursing home who I can't understand a word he's saying. He's going gaga. I don't want to be like that. I don't see that as my future. 
You know, let's, let's speak in our homes positively to our spouses, to our children. Let's encourage one another. Let's get rid of the stinking thinking. Let's get rid of the rubbish that we so often say. Let's begin to declare the word of God over each other, encouraging things, upbuilding things. Come on, the other one, we know that it's successful, but we don't like it, do we? Oh, you're a waste of space, you are. I can never rely on you. Why are you not like your brother or your sister or whoever? Why don't we change things around a bit? Change in emphasis, direction or focus. That's what shift means. Move from a place or rouse oneself from a state of inactivity. Do you get it? Amen. Now, here's another thing. The word shift... In the Old English, uh, it means to divide, an Old Norse. In the German, it means to separate. So this word shift, historically, means to divide, means to separate. Now in Matthew, uh, it uses this scripture that we kind of delved into when we were thinking about a new name for the ministry. From the days of John the Baptist until the present time, the kingdom of heaven has endured violent assault and violent men seized it by force, a precious prize, a share in the heavenly kingdom is sought with most ardent zeal and intense exertion. It talks about the advancing kingdom. That's in the Amplified, in the, uh, the King James. It talks about the kingdom of God suffers violent, violent men by, take it by force. The kingdom is advancing. Hello. It's shifting. But there is coming right now a shift and a divide. Jesus said in Matthew 10, don't think that I've come to bring peace, even though he's the Prince of Peace. He said, I have come to bring not peace, but a sword. He's come to separate and divide. There's too much grey in the world, too much compromise. He's coming to separate, get rid of that, because as we've already said, God is going to present to his son a glorious bride, full of God's glory, full of of the excitement, exuberance, prosperity, health, and all the rest of it, of, of God, of what he's made us to be. So he said he's come to separate. Nations are going to be separated. And I mean, you know, in the prayer movement, we've been praying that our nation would be a sheep nation, not a goat nation. A goat nation is a nation that is not going in God's direction and especially is not in alignment with Israel. Uh, Many people in different parts of the world are praying in their nation and in the States. I know our friends in the United States have been praying around every state in America, that they would support Israel and make that declaration so that they might prosper in those different states. And it's been amazing as the leadership of those states, the governors, have signed documents in support of Israel that God has blessed the land, the physical land, in those states because there is something about that covenant that he's made with with his people, with the Jews, that when we get into that, because we as believers have been grafted in, but even when unbelievers get in, God begins to pour out a blessing. So there's coming a separation. Whether we like it or not, there's coming a separation. So that is in that kingdom shift. Jesus is coming back. 
in uh, IHOP, they sing this song. He's not a baby in a manger anymore. He's not a broken man on a cross. He didn't stay in the grave and he's not staying in heaven forever. Those slides that I just jumped over were when it talks about this one who is called faithful and true, who's wearing a robe that's dipped in the blood of his enemies, is leading out the armies from heaven on white horses, and out of his mouth is going a sharp two-edged sword from which he begins to tread the winepress of the wrath of Almighty God. And on his thigh is a name written, King of Kings and Lord of Lords. He's coming back to divide, to separate those wheat from the chaff. And we better be ready for a saviour who's coming back because there is a peace that's only to be found the other side of war and brutal war. I was thinking about this scripture this morning with some of the things that we were doing because we were talking about we've done the 50 mile radius, our teams have gone out around this town. C.S. Lewis says there's no neutral ground in the universe. Every square inch, every split second is claimed by God and counterclaimed by Satan. Satan is trying to counterclaim what we have done in this town and in this 50 mile radius and we can't just say we've done it once, we've prayed once, that's it. No, we're going to say he will be defeated, he will be pushed out and there are altars already in this town, there are covens that meet regularly, there are people that will say if you go on the doors, I'm a pagan. And we've met them who came from Christian families, but they have declared to us, we are pagan. That's who we are. You go down this street out there and you will see witchcraft paraphernalia in people's windows on their uh, mantelpieces inside the house. What do you call them there? Windowsills. So we've got to keep reclaiming that ground for the Lord. Amen? Now, when, when God... Uh, brought the children of Israel out of Egypt. It says at Mount Zion, his voice shook the earth, but now he's given a promise, yet once more I will shake and make tremble not only the earth, but also the starry heavens. Now this expression, yet once more, indicates, notice this now, the final removal and transformation of all that can be shaken. That is of that which has been created in order that what cannot be shaken may remain and continue. Let us, therefore, receiving a kingdom that is firm and stable and cannot be shaken, offer to God pleasing service and acceptable worship with modesty, pious care, godly fear and awe, for our God is indeed a consuming fire. Every structure in the heavenly places and on the earth, are being shaken right now. Every structure. In order that only those things that cannot be shaken might remain. God is shaking religion right now. 
Religion is a structure. We are not religious and we are not following a religion. We're following a person. We're following the Lord Jesus Christ. He is not religious. He never came onto the earth to start a religious organization. He never came to start Christianity. He came to die for a lost world. Or the people have called us Christians. The word means little Christs. It's quite an accolade to be called a Christian because it means you're doing what he did. It means you're living what he lived. It means you are what he was and what he is. He didn't come to start a religion, but men have made a religion and multiple religions. Many people believe that all religions lead to God, but that cannot be the case, can it? Because you and I can start a religion today and promise the people that come into that faith that they can have, you know, whatever, live in paradise forever. We can promise that, but we have no authority at all to determine what will happen to someone when they die. One man does, the man that came, that said he was God, died, but was able, he said, I have the power to lay down my life, I have the power to take it up again, and he lives, he lived on the earth for 40 days, you remember, before he went back to his father, and hundreds of people saw him alive, he can say, I am the resurrection and the life. Though you were dead, yet shall you live. And so he is the only one on this earth that can guarantee us heaven. No other religious leader can guarantee you anything. It might help you with their teachings to live a good life. It may not. But if you want salvation, if you want eternity with God, there's only one place to go, and that's Jesus Christ. Because even the church, there are churches today you can go to, and they will not be able to tell you how to get to heaven. Because they're weak and wishy-washy, there's compromise, and they're into all kinds of things, and not into salvation through Jesus Christ. Just a religious system. Gone quiet on me. Come on. We're ex. Oh, hey, come on. We've got the truth. We're part of a kingdom that cannot be shaken. So, what, what was being said through the writer of the Hebrews is this when you're in the kingdom, you cannot be shaken because only the kingdom is stable and secure. That's, that's worth an amen. It's firm and stable, cannot be shaken. So if we're in the kingdom, we're in the right place. If you're in a religious structure, watch out. You're going to get shaken. So God's shaking everything that can be shaken. In order that what cannot be shaken will remain. We've been formed into a kingdom, a royal race, priest to our God and Father, And uh, the dominion of that kingdom will last throughout all the ages forever and forever. We're going to rule and reign with him. So can you say change is on its way? It is a kingdom shift. Amen. Hallelujah.
So I was reading something recently by a David uh, Damien, and uh, he's actually from. Oh, did that come up? You can read that. He's uh, from uh, an organisation called Watchmen for the Nations, living in uh, in Canada. He was a medical doctor till the Lord called him into ministry. Uh, I don't know how many of you uh, receive Open Heaven material. Uh, It's a prophetic ministry and it sends material out. Uh, A guy called Terry Somerville uh, sent out a newsletter that David Damien had written recently. And Terry Somerville, I think he was probably from Canada. I haven't checked it out. But he had said that in the last few weeks, so he's talking about recently, this, this year, the last few weeks, he said, I've had the chance to connect with hundreds of leaders across the nation. And he said, not surprisingly, as we shared our hearts, I heard the same story repeated everywhere. An unprecedented attack of discouragement, disillusionment, loss of vision, and a deep sense of isolationism. He said, as we prayed and shared and discerned together, a clearer picture emerged of what we're facing at this time. And he talked about the shift that is occurring right now from the church age to the kingdom age. It's one of the major shifts that's going on uh, right now. He made the point that in recent Revivals, previous revivals, and there's been a number of them. We, we, you know, one of the big ones that we remember is the Toronto revival that was going on, and stuff's been continuing over there. But revival's gone in all sorts of other places. But they recognise that often revival's been short-circuited because we, as human beings, have had our hands on it. We've organised it, and so it's petered out. And he made this point that we have to be kingdom people where God is bringing forth his plan, not our plan. We've got to take our hands off what God's doing. The Lord intends to pour out his spirit through the whole earth and the nations, but he's got to have a people prepared and their hearts changed. He said that that time was coming and that there is a time of pruning when again God's going to be working on our hearts. And he talked about, he said, He had uh, dreams where the Lord was coming to him and showing him of many wounds and disappointments over many years where to be able to survive. I mean, we're talking now about particularly church leadership where, you know, it's, it's not easy leading any group of people because people come, people go. Many times there's lots of hurts in the process And he said that the Lord showed him over a period of time, he had gotten hard in his heart and wounded just to try and protect himself. Now, many of us who maybe are not in church leadership, just in life receive wounds, don't we? Disappointments. We're not getting answers to prayer that we want. And sometimes we just kind of either harden ourselves off. And he said... What God was showing him was that God wanted to bring a sense of innocence again, a sense of his first love into all of our lives, into the whole body, that we might deal with the hurts and with the disappointments, with the wounds from the past, in order that we can have a fresh, tender heart 
ready for the new move that God has. Because it's only a healed church that can go out and bring healing to a broken, fractured, wounded world. So really, you know, the the whole message that was coming through is that God's working in us and on us right now in this season because he's preparing us. Now, in this church, in, in our different meetings that we've had in the last couple of years, We've been asking the Lord to, to help us deal with issues, deal with fears has been an issue that's come up on a number of occasions. But there are many new people that have joined us in the last few weeks and months. We need to know that God is bringing healing into the house. And uh, David and Irene and different ones of us in the leadership uh, are, are trying to find ways in which we can expedite the healing process and making it easier for you to receive ministry so that you can be the healed of the Lord. Because we've got to deal with the stuff from the past that maybe has just toughened us up to the place that our hearts are not as receptive as they once were. So I just think it would be good for us to be able to respond in this time, if we can have the musicians back, just as we're kind of closing off the meeting Because if the Holy Spirit is speaking to you right now, if you've got offences over anything, offences are the bait of Satan. Satan wants you to be offended at other people. If you're in church, he especially wants you to be offended with the leadership so that he can lock you down as an individual and and if, if you're in a family, your family as well and begin to push you to the margins of the family and the margins of the church. That's the plan of the enemy. Fear, anxiety, worry will push you into areas away from the Father. You'll go to medication. You'll go to maybe taking out loans or using credit cards or using all kinds of things, rather than going back to the Father. We're so quick because there are all kinds of things available to us today we often run there first before we run to him. So he wants to touch us afresh this morning. So let's stand together in order that we can say, Holy Spirit, just begin to minister to me. If you know the Holy Spirit's just said something today, maybe you've just felt, you know, I'm, I'm in neutral, I'm in that wrong gear. Maybe, you know, I've been in the same place for too long. My expectations of me are just too small. I feel like a goldfish in a tiny bowl and I really feel as I need to expand. Whatever the change is that the Holy Spirit's been showing you, maybe wombs, whatever it is, allow him right now. You do business with him. You don't need someone else to lay hands on you right now. You can just invite him in and allow him to touch you. So, Lord, I, my heart's cry today is that, Lord, as we're moving from this one age, the church age to the kingdom age, Lord, as we're changing one old mindset to move into a new mindset in order that we might receive the new wine. Lord, where there's still that work of grace that needs to go on in us, Lord, I pray that we might be open to release things that have held us bad. Offence, Lord, 
I just pray that those who are still offended at any other person, that, Lord, they will have the courage today to let that offence go, to let you bring healing and forgiveness right now into their lives. Lord, where there are of fears and anxieties. Lord, we want to say today, we don't want to trust in that negativity today. We want to put our faith in you and our trust in you. So Lord, we just open up to you to touch our hearts.